I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 129. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. There's a difference between rules and a standard. I work for a school, so I often reference my experiences there in my thinking, but there is, if there's a standard of kindness, for example, in the classroom, then that eliminates the need for a whole list of rules. You see, you don't need as many do's and don'ts when you're reaching toward a standard. You hold up the standard and then you ask, does this idea, does this action, this thought, this philosophy agree with and meet this standard? So let's keep the classroom example. We can start with the obvious. Should I hit my classmate when they make me mad? (laughs) So if the standard is kindness, hitting others does not meet the standard. But let's take it to the next level. Well, my classmate just dropped their books and papers scattered everywhere. Should I help or should I just sit there? Well, just sitting there is not proactive enough to meet the kindness standard. An encouraging word might begin to meet it, But getting up out of your chair to help pick up the scattered items and giving an encouraging word while doing it would definitely meet the kindness standard. So as believers, what is our standard? What do we hold up? Well, Christ alone should be our standard. And this means that every word written in the book that Father God gave to us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit inspired is included in that. So when Christ is our standard, we realize that many of our questions are answered. When we look to Christ, we see how he handled conflict and sorrow. We see how he walked in relationship to his father, ways that that we can emulate to walk in relationship to God ourselves. Unfortunately, we often don't look to our standard at all. We're so much in our own head that we can't see anything but that which enslaves us. In fact, the lyrics of the song that I have chosen this week, Christ in Me by Jeremy Camp, they start out by saying this, can't see the slaves we are in all the searching, all the grasping, like we deserve much more than all the blessings we are holding. I had a great conversation with a friend this week where the words I spoke were not mine. I I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke through me. We were talking about the fact that we get stuck in our what ifs of life and we create every possible negative scenario in our mind. And but how often do we sit and ponder the what ifs of a positive nature? We don't spend nearly as much time saying, what if it works out just right? Or what if it's better than I had hoped for? You know, we've fallen into these life patterns that enslave us and we don't even realize it. So what do we do? We fix our eyes on Jesus, not our circumstances. 
In fact, the chorus of our song mentions this as well as a cry out to God. So let's listen. The idea of fixing our eyes is found several places in scripture, but this week we will be heading to Hebrews chapter 12, and this chapter starts off like this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, I've often said, whenever you see the word therefore, you need to see what it's there for. And our verse actually gives us a clue. It says, therefore, since. So, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and Even if you've never read Hebrews chapter 11, which is the chapter before where we started, you can probably deduce that it discusses the great cloud of witnesses that this verse refers to, and and actually it does. So Hebrews 11 details many of great faith who have gone before. And so knowing and understanding their stories is really important for us to run the race marked out for us. I get really excited when I can share Old Testament stories with you on the podcast because I think that they're often overlooked and and we're missing keys that Hebrews teaches is really important to helping break the chains of slavery that our lyrics are talking about this week. So there's a theme that runs through this chapter of Hebrews, and that is endurance. You see, the readers of this letter were getting weary and they wanted to give up. And I'm just wondering, are you in a place of weariness, just kind of ready to throw in the towel and stop the fight? So lean into what this area of scripture can teach us today. So if, for example, you decided to read Hebrews chapter 11 to see what you could learn from the people highlighted there, and then you were drawn to a particular one, and then you sought out the area of scripture that they were first mentioned or where their story is, and you read and study the life of that person, what good does that do? Well, Hebrews is teaching us that it strengthens us. This process motivates us to cast aside what might hinder us or entangle us. You know, what we learn from the faith walk of others can provide clues to our own success in our own faith walk. And these verses teach us to throw off everything that hinders us. So hindrances are things that hold us back or slow us down as we run our race. And this will take a bit of thought for you to consider what might be hindering you in your race. But consider this, hindrances are that are talked about here it's different than sin you see these verse this verse goes on to say we need to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us as well so if sin trips us up and hindrances slow us down what are the hindrances well for me i think one big hindrance is to compare my race to another person's race 
So if you read carefully here, it speaks of the race marked out for us. That's very specific. There's a race marked out for you. Run that race. You've heard this advice before. In business, I've heard the notion of staying in your lane or focusing on your strengths. When you worry about someone else's race, instead of focusing on your own, it can slow you down. It can hinder you. And we are to cast aside those types of hindrances. I asked a a friend this week, a trusted godly friend, the question I'm asking you, the question that I am still pondering, even even as I'm talking and, and giving you examples, I asked her, what has hindered your race? And for this friend, the answer was their own unbelief and listening to the lies of the enemy. And she said it caused her to shrink back and not do battle and, and not take every thought captive and not get her eyes back on Jesus. So her own unbelief and then her, her tendency to listen to the lies of the enemy, it, it hindered her. It's time. It's time to cast off our hindrances. It's, it's time to cast off the sin that so easily entangles us. Again, hindrances cause us to slow down, but sin trips us up and it can cause us to fall and, and be trapped so that we're no longer in the race at all. So if you have a known sin in your life, if, if you know that you are sinning, you need to cast that off. And we talk, we'll talk about what's on the other side of that obedience as we continue looking closely at these verses. But just let me encourage you, maybe the hindrances might be harder to see, but the sin should be pretty clear to you. And you should have heard the voice of the Holy Spirit and received his conviction. And it's just time. It's time to cast that off. So let's review. Where do we receive the motivation to cast aside the hindrances and sin? Well, from knowing and understanding the faith of our great cloud of witnesses. So by reading those stories, we can either identify with them or we can learn from them. And all of those, all their stories will give us the motivation to cast off our own sin and our own hindrances. So as we continue reading, we... We really can't set aside the cultural significance of the time in which the author lives. So when I say things like drive through faith, I know that there's vast regions of the earth that do not have fast food restaurants and maybe not even cars to drive through them. But I'm 99.9% sure you all know what I'm talking about when I use that phrase, drive through faith. It's part of the culture of the time. So in the culture when the author of Hebrews was writing, um, it was a culture where both the Greeks and the Romans were big fans of athletic competition. So much so that it's, you know, like football Friday night in Texas. It was a big deal. So not just for the athlete, but for the community at large. It was kind of a patriotic thing to be a good athlete and bring glory to your country. So I watched the uh, opening ceremonies of the Olympics this week. Um, And as a side note, I was super thrilled that they were using the Portuguese alphabet for the procession of nations, because then the United States um, wasn't in the U's, it was in the E's instead. So we didn't have to stay up till midnight to see our athletes, um, over 500 athletes come into the stadium. But I'm not sure if you got a chance to watch it, depending on where you are in the world and the country that you represent. But there's just a sense of pride and excitement to cheer for your nation's athletes, you know. And so um, when we use this metaphor of racing or when the, uh, the Hebrew author of Hebrews does, it's it's a little more 
Olympics vibe rather than a little less fourth grade track meet, if you understand what I'm saying. So um, just consider kind of that race. That's the race we're running. That that national pride, um, it means more than just for the athlete. It's just a big deal. So as elite athletes, though, Olympians still have coaches. I'm not sure if you watch the procession of athletes, but every once in a while, Ron and I would go, that must be a coach because there'd be like an old guy in the, in the crowd. And we're pretty sure he's not jumping or spinning or shooting or anything like that. But the um, coach will train the athlete uh, to carefully watch winners in their category. You know, not so much so that they will become exactly like them, so, but so that they know what's possible, right? So, um, I watched swimming the other day, and um, this girl just bl- blew the world record away, blew the competition away. That's going to be like the new standard. Like it's now physically possible, we know, to swim that race that fast. Okay, so what what could we learn from her to? Um, emulate certain aspects of how she swims. So, you know, you watch that guy's double twist off the vault and you can perfect it like that. Watch that girl's approach to the net to spike. She has perfect form. So again, maybe not become exactly like them, but say that portion of their performance is something that you can emulate. And that's what I'm trying to tell you with Hebrews chapter 11. That's what that's all about. This great cloud of witnesses are the winners of the faith. Well, at least they were with up to the point they could be with their life. And our coaches is asking us to look at the winners. Okay. Then our coach is asking us to look at ourselves. So it's good to watch the film of the other team. But if you never assess your own performance, you will never be able to address your weaknesses. So no wonder we get weary in the faith. We keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And it's when we examine ourselves that we can then identify and cast aside those hindrances and sin. And I want to mention one more thing about hindrances before we move on. Um, Keeping an eye on the race analogy. You know, runners will often run with training weights. Now, when they can build up their speed and endurance with the weights, and then when they take the weights off, they can run even faster. So if a runner failed to take off the weights, however, uh, the good thing that it's going to help the runner grow now becomes a hindrance. Do you see what I'm saying? So slowing the, it'll slow the runner down needlessly. This is what I'm still pondering. <laughs> what good things may be weighing me down that were useful for my faith growth in a season of training, but that I've maybe I've kept on and might be slowing me down. So that's really what I'm continuing to ponder this week, just as a little side note on the hindrances. So now we've come full circle back to where we began, which is our standard. And while it is necessary and motivational to look at the winners of the faith, and it's critical, of course, that we take stock of ourselves so that we can, we can cast aside those hindrances and sin, we must also look to the standard. And do you remember who our standard is? That's right, it's Jesus. So it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So fixing our eyes on Jesus. You know, we've cast aside our hindrances and other distractions that may take our eyes off our standard. We've cast aside any sin. It's not worth it because we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. 
He is the standard, the pioneer. Other versions say the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, when we look to Jesus, uh, when we on purpose trust him, we're healed. You know, we're saved from an eternity apart from God. That first act of looking, that first act of trusting, it leads to our salvation. I talk about this on episode 103, You Are Loved, when we talk about um, the example in the Old Testament and what Jesus references in the New Testament of, of looking up to Jesus. So, but our eyes are, I mean, sorry, our lives should be an attitude of trust. This ongoing looking to Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, is the manner of our lives when he's our standard and we are his followers. So when we look to our standard, Jesus, what do we see? Well, we see that his motivation was the joy set before him. Now, that joy was so unbelievable, so amazing, so complete, that because of that joy in his sights, he endured the cross. That's a pretty profound joy. Do you have that kind of joy? I, I'm, I thought, do I have that kind of joy? Well, I want to head over to Psalm 16. It's a messianic psalm, meaning that even though King David wrote it down, you can read it as if Jesus was saying it. And from verse 8 on, it reads, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So here we see our standard keeping his eyes on the Lord. So he declares that in the midst of chaos, he will not be shaken because of the promised presence of God. And because of that knowledge, his heart is glad, even though his circumstances are dire. Did you hear this? His tongue rejoices. And as a side note, is your tongue rejoicing? Are you speaking words of praise to your father? Or are you rehearsing the woes of your circumstances? He goes on to say, my body will rest because you won't leave me dead. You know, Jesus knew he would have to die, but he knew that God would raise him to life again. It says, you make known to me the path of life, which is a little ironic because that path of life included physical death. And God has a path of life for you. And that path may not look like you thought it would. But if you keep your eyes fixed on him and trust him, it leads to life and joy. Just listen. You will fill me with joy in your presence. In God's presence is fullness of joy. The very presence of God is what motivated Jesus to endure the cross. That was the joy set before him. God's presence is that powerful. Did you know that you can enjoy God's presence even here on earth? You may not understand what I'm saying unless you do. And, And those of you who have experienced God's presence in a profound way know exactly what I'm talking about. But I mentioned earlier that we could talk about why it was worth it to cast off the sin that you might be hanging on to. Actually, it's hanging on to you. You're in chains and you don't even realize it. But when you cast aside that sin that so easily entangles, you get more of God. You will be filled with joy in his presence. And then even what glorious glimpses we get of this life-altering complete joy-filling presence of God here on earth. All of that pales in comparison to physically being in his presence in heaven. In the Psalms, it says, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. 
Jesus, our standard, he ran his race. He kept his eyes on the Lord. He followed God's path of life. He persevered. He is who we look to to emulate our race. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. And let me add the final echo from this section of Hebrews. It says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider Jesus. He looked forward. The heroes of the faith looked forward. Olympic runners never look back. Why why do we want to spend all of our time looking back? So before I give you this week's challenge in scripture, I want to share with you the Bible interaction tool exercises I used this week to prepare for the podcast. And these are tools and habits that you can use in your own Bible study. I call them BITES, Bible Interaction Tool Exercises, B-I-T-E, because they help us take a bite out of scripture. And this week I used my favorite bite, which is reading in context. I knew I was drawn to Hebrews 12, so I read Hebrews 11, 12, and 13 before I even started to focus in on the verses that we unpacked today. I mean, you could actually even read all of Hebrews at once, and it would give you this glorious big picture of what was happening. But the next bite is to consider the historical context of the letter. That context gave us greater understanding this week as we considered the the significance of the athletic competition in the culture of the day. The next bite is one I encourage you to use, but only after you've used other bites, and that is to consult a commentary. I used Wearsby's commentary on Hebrews, and actually I've been studying Hebrews and using his commentary and study guide, so I was really excited to share some of the knowledge and some of his points and thoughts with you um, this week because I've been in it myself in my own study, but I say to use commentaries last because when you consult them first, You'll have the tendency to allow someone else's thoughts to trump scripture itself. And then there's no room for the Holy Spirit to speak to you through your own thoughtful study of the scripture. And their example becomes your example. And then the door tends to be closed for other thoughts or point of view. And that includes study Bibles, y'all. If you keep bopping down and reading what they have to say, and you never, you use that as a crutch and you're not reading God's word for yourself. So commentaries are wonderful and useful and study Bibles, those commentaries um, moments in the bottom or to the side are great. But I want you to use those sparingly and or after you've really explored using other options. And then the final bite is to follow the trail of a cross-reference. And so this week, that Messianic Psalm cross-reference actually came from the commentary, whereas B had mentioned it in the commentary. But I could have just as easily discovered it using an online tool like Bible Hub. It has cross-references in it as well. But the value comes in actually following the trail and reading the cross-reference in context and then making those links back to the text that we're focusing on. So that's what we did there. So what's next? Well, you can always just follow my same pattern from week to week um, to practice these bites or just pick one and try it. So if you've never followed a cross-reference, try that this week. But at a minimum, read Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. Uh, Perhaps you'll pick a hero of the faith that you read about in chapter 11 and go read their story and ask yourself what training weights you may still have on and then cast those off. And be honest with yourself about any sin that may be entangling you and throw that off as well. And then finally, look to Jesus and follow his pattern of life that leads to the presence of God and fullness of joy.
And while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. You can email me directly, michelle at michellekneesat.com. Hop on Twitter or Facebook, and we can talk about what you're learning. But before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to shout out to Sharita from the U.S., Sherry from British Columbia, Margaret from Australia, Stephanie from Nebraska, Christy from New York, Maddie from Oklahoma, Mercy from India, Lynn from somewhere in the U.S., and Cindy from somewhere in the U.S. These are my newest subscribers to my website. Welcome. Now, the benefit of subscribing is that I will email you once a week, and in that email, you'll get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. You'll get an email recap of the week's episode, and you'll get instant access to any of the resources that I create from time to time. All of that is just my way of saying Thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. And then don't miss an episode of my podcast by subscribing in iTunes. While you're there, leave me a written review and a star rating. It really encourages me, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. So as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like Eric Green, who requested last week's song and wrote to thank me for using it, and that he loved hearing what scripture I chose to relate to the song. And then I had two first-time listeners uh, leave me a review, too. The, The Madison Masters wrote that she was driving home the other day and prayed that God would draw her closer to him. And then she thought about exploring Christian podcasts and ran across mine. She listened and heard God speak to her through the message and will be listening some more. I'm so excited. Welcome. And then HGJJHJHG said the podcast is great to listen to while doing dishes or other things and still hear God's word and uplifting music. So glad to have you. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use the song, That's How You Forgive by Shane and Shane. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 129. And then while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.